It's August 1st, 2018. Welcome to part two of our special edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. First, Aki Marceau returns. She's the Director of Policy and Community at the Elemental Accelerator, and she's going to tell us about their new infusion from the Office of Naval Research. And, of course, uh, we have a very special guest joining us. Governor David Ige is going to join us to talk about science, tech, and the innovation economy. But first up, let's welcome Aki back. Now, again, she's the Director of Policy and Community at the Elemental Accelerator, and she's here to tell us about this uh, new support from the ONR. Welcome back, Aki. Thank you. Thank you for having me back today. So ONR, Office of Naval Research, I know I know they've been a big supporter of Elemental Accelerator, and uh, this infusion, I mean, did this kind of just come up or how did, how did the, what was the evolution of it from, you know, previous years to this one? Yeah, well, we've been working with the Office of Naval Research, which is a branch of the Department of Defense, since 2013. Mm-hmm. And so they provided us with some of our initial funding, which was a little bit larger than seed funding. I would say it was a $30 million grant back in 2013, which we've been using over the last five years to deploy to our, our companies. So we've offered about $22 million thus far to the 63 companies in our portfolio, and most of that funding has gone directly to projects in Hawaii. And then uh, in terms of the monies that they've uh, provided you, do they, do they have a specific, uh, uh, let's say, spend requirement? Uh, do they have to be going toward energy projects or can they go to ag projects? What's the... Uh, designation of that money? That's a really, really great question. And we've been incredibly fortunate to work with our Office of Naval Research sponsors who are really committed to resilience and in the Asia Pacific region. And so they've allowed us to pretty much use the funding as long as it goes towards uh, resilience in Asia Pacific. So um, as you know, our program focuses on innovation and growth stage innovation uh, in energy, water, agriculture, and mobility. Mm-hmm. And we operate on an annual calendar in which each year we have a call for innovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and through that selection process, we then select final 15 to 20 companies, and those are the companies that receive the O&R funding through us. Mm-hmm. Now, Congresswoman Colleen Haribusi was here last week on part one of our uh, tech and exploration of the future, and she had a lot to say about O&R and its support of R&D and development here in Hawaii, but you're saying that uh, you're seeing this synergy between startups that address these problems and what the O&R wants to do, which might be outside of what you would assume um, O&R's focus would be. Absolutely. I think what they're really interested in figuring, trying to figure out, you know, they they can't solve all the problems of the world. And so they're trying to figure out how can they use their funding and have a multiplier effect and leverage the work that other folks are doing and see how they can use their funding to then fill in a potential gap in the uh, commercialization Uh, to then um, help companies grow. So as you look for companies to mentor and work with and foster as the Elemental Accelerator, are you seeing any trends in the applicants that lean toward this? I mean, is it, uh, you would think, a lot of people think of startups as more technology-specific plays or app plays or something like that. Um, The idea of of, uh, resilience might, might be unusual for some people. 
Yeah. So we've seen companies, uh, both hardware and software. So I think when a lot of people think of innovation and startups, they're thinking primarily only of so- as software. But we've seen, seen and funded both hardware and software companies. And this year, we've been really excited because actually 33% of our applicants came from the sectors of mobility, agriculture, and water, hmm. in addition to energy. So we've seen a great diversity of, of companies in different industries. So, you know, in terms of the, the money that O&R provides, now when it gets, uh, you know, given to the companies, is it given as a grant? Is it given as a an investment with some ownership uh, tied to that? Or uh, exactly how is that money you know offered to those companies? That, that's a, a great question as well. So the way that our program works is we're the recipient of the funding, and then we administer the funding to the companies that are part of our portfolio. And so while O&R doesn't necessarily take equity in the companies, we do mm-hmm. as a nonprofit accelerator. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is dependent on what kind of services that we provide the companies in our portfolio, we can take between 1% and 6% equity in the form of a, a warrant. Mm-hmm. The the um, funding itself just passes through our program into oh. the companies themselves. So where are you now in the cycle of finding companies and working with them? I know that you were reviewing applications. Uh, what's what's next? We are at the tail end of reviewing applications, and I want everyone listening to save the date for October 11th, hmm. because that is when we're going to host our town, what we call our town square, which is when all of our companies uh, meet together in Hawaii and uh, get to meet project partners and different members of the community here. Oh, great. So uh, we will probably have you come back on to announce that October 11th event. So, Aki, if anybody wants to find out more about uh, what's happening with Elemental Accelerator, where can they go? Please go to ElementalAccelerator.com. Very good. Well, we want to thank you, Aki, for joining us. And, of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be joined by Governor David Ige. We'll talk about science, technology, and the innovation economy. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to contributors Bush Consulting, Sacred Hearts Academy, and Urgent Care Hawaii. It seems like whatever I'm listening to at the time is my favorite. For instance, yesterday I totally loved a Radio Lab story that made me feel like I wasn't alone in the world, somebody who'd gone through the same things I had. And then I listened to Wait, Wait and had a driveway moment that I just couldn't leave the car. Aloha, I'm Carol Kahn from Pawilo on the Big Island, and I'm a sustaining member of Hawaii Public Radio. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Now, the second in our series of the uh, gubernatorial candidates, we are joined by Governor David Ige, who is running for re-election for governor of the state of Hawaii. We are at a pivotal time in Hawaii's history, and we will now hear his thoughts on what initiatives we can put in place and are in place to diversify our economy. And of course, Governor, welcome to Bite Marks Cafe. Aloha. I'm glad to be here. Now, you know, you've always uh, said in all the debates that I've I've uh, heard you talk that uh, you are an engineer. And, you know, I think that really says a lot. And in terms of, uh, you know, your career, let's say, had you not gone 
the route of uh, a politician at some point by you know by the governor Ariyoshi appointing you. Uh, what would you have done? Do you think in terms of your tech career? Well, I clearly wanted uh, to make sure that I had a career in tech, and for all the time that I've been in public service, I've maintained my career mm-hmm. uh, at Hawaiian Telephone and then various startups. Uh, so, mm-hmm. at the time that I was appointed, my goal actually was to become the first local president of Hawaiian Telephone. You know, at that point in time, every all of the CEOs for the the telephone company came from the mainland. Uh, and so certainly that's kind of what I was focused on. Obviously, things changed, and I couldn't uh, continue to do that while I served in the legislature. Well, you've done pretty well for yourself, if uh, if I may say so. I might also add in full disclosure that I do work for the state in the Department of Business and Economic Development. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some of our conversation might <coughs> sway toward uh, economic development issues. Now, in terms of, um, uh, y- you know, your involvement with uh, moving sort of the tech agenda, how would you characterize perhaps some of the key uh, initiatives that were, uh, t- I guess, uh, initiated during your administration? Well, a couple of things, Bert. Uh, you know, I really do believe that um, public education is, is the foundation and it is about investing in our schools so that we can create programs that uh, equipped our our students with all the skills that they need to be uh, successful in the 21st century. So we um, ha- launched a computer science initiative mm-hmm. uh, really focused on ensuring that K-12, uh, there is a curriculum uh, that connects the dots and assures that our students are very well-versed and capable uh, in computer science. Uh, we've been doing a, a number of other things. You know, I've been a big supporter of a STEM education in the public schools, and I think most importantly, project-based learning. And you know, the robotics program uh, has blossomed, and uh, you know, I believe that Hawaii has the best robotics program uh, in the country, if not the world. You know, we have more than 750 uh, teams in every stage of robotics that uh, you can imagine. And, you know, our teams from Hawaii always are able to compete at the national and global level and win. Uh, And I've been a a strong supporter of digital media. And, you know, digital media is really the merging of of video and and digital technology, uh, but also virtual reality, 3D uh, envisioning, uh, augmented uh, reality, and and all of those kinds of technologies that come together. Uh, you know, we have a, I believe, the best uh, digital media program uh, in the country once again. And our students from all across the state, virtually every high school and middle school now has a digital media program. You know, they enter national competitions uh, and win regularly. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think that those um, kinds of programs um, give the students project-based learning, which allows them to really master the skills uh, that our tech companies are looking for. Uh, and I think that that is fundamental important. You know, you need to have uh, the human resource, as you know. Most startups are are successful or not, uh, dependent on whether they can, you know, assemble and organize the human resource. And I just want to make sure that our public education system are really delivering the schools, the skills that our students need uh, to be successful in the jobs of the future. Well, we've talked a lot uh, on this program as well about um, computer science in schools and STEM education. But let's talk about the second half of that pipeline because, of course, what we 
often feel is that we're training perhaps very talented and skilled computer scientists and engineers and creative people, but when they leave school, they leave Hawaii. You know, we hear a lot about that brain drain, or even when we now have more and more startups coming out of Hawaii, there comes a point where it seems inevitable that they also relocate. So as a terms of a state policy or in terms of a, a vision, how do you see moving the pieces you have control of to make that happen less, to have the jobs here so they can stay? I think it uh, it's a couple things. Obviously, creating that uh, innovation and startup kind of mentality and ecosystem, I think, is uh, very important. You know, that starts with access to uh, risk capital, uh, venture capital, if you want. You know, I wrote uh, the law that created the Hawaii Strategic Development Corporation that really um, began uh, creating uh, a venture capital um, industry here in the islands. And uh, we have done quite well, as you know. We have several accelerators here in the islands that have uh, been recognized uh, for the ability to uh, create startup companies uh, and create jobs. So it is about um, supporting the accelerators and about attracting more risk capital uh, to be available as we build this innovation uh, infrastructure that uh, is necessary to to support startups and business development. You know, I think the uh, combination of, uh, you know, blue startups, you have uh, Elemental, we just had uh, in the studio, you have uh, Accelerate UH. I mean, I think I, the numbers were somewhere around 200 startups and $200 million of yeah, investment. Yeah, $250 million of investment in these companies. So, you know, we have been uh, very successful in supporting startups and um, the ideas and, as you know, proof of concepts and those kinds of things. You know, we really need to attract more capital to really take businesses to that next level. Once we get uh, a proof of concept of uh, a business that works, it's really getting access to capital in that second and third round of financing where, you know, it could be 10 to $50 million where the real job creation starts. And uh, that's mm-hmm. uh, the kind of uh, next step that we need to take uh, in our community uh, to assure us that we can not only start them up, but really grow them and have them create jobs uh, for that next generation. Do you see a particular sector uh, in Hawaii that perhaps uh, highlights Hawaii's strengths that perhaps we could sort of focus some of these startups in? Well, I, I do know, and, and they're, they're the ones that we talk about all the time. As we talk about 100% clean renewable mm-hmm. energy, you know, that whole energy sector, we are doing things here in the islands that nobody else in the on the planet is really, well, I should say world, because there are some other communities around uh, outside of the U.S. that have really embraced uh, uh, non-fossil fuel kind of future. Uh, but uh, so our focus on on renewable energy for electricity, I think, gives us uh, the environment to really support uh, renewable energy companies and ways to manage uh, storage companies. Uh, those kinds of uh, companies make sense as we move forward. Uh, we know that we have uh, the competitive advantage for ocean and earth sciences. As we talk about sustainability and environmental protection, you know, that's a natural area. Uh, we've been doing a lot of work in DLNR that, that's talking about um, coral reef restoration, and we've been experimenting in uh, how can we uh, 
accelerate and build coral reefs faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been looking at uh, a number of uh, efforts uh, that really are focused as part of that sustainability effort in agriculture, for example, that I think would offer, I think, good opportunities for new startups uh, to help us get to a more sustainable future. Uh, so it's it's looking at trying to uh, marry our long-term goals and objectives and encourage uh, investment and look for uh, business startups and business opportunities in those areas. So, yeah, let's talk about, you know, getting community support, legislative support for some of these programs, because, of course, in Hawaii, industries dominated by tourism or uh uh, the military, um, a lot of times people see things through that lens. And what I'm thinking of specifically is say, let's talk about science. And there is often conflicts um, in the community, whether it's about agriculture or about astronomy. You know, how do you get the buy-in from a community to support things that are good, not just for the planet, but for diversifying economy when you have also some pretty strong resistance? Well, I think it is about um, sharing the broader vision, but more importantly, I think look at uh, being more self-reliant in everything we do. You know, for example, we have been fighting uh, rapid ohia death on Hawaii Island, and uh, it's a new uh, disease that are introduced and is threatening our native ohia forest. Uh, on the Big Island, uh, and we don't know exactly how it gets started, and uh, we don't have an explicit um, treatment for stopping rapid ohia death. But we ought to be investing in research and and scientists here in the islands that our, our kids can get involved with uh, that really would create more research and development opportunities here that helps us in our commitment to um, battle invasive species, you know, that uh, protects the environment, you know, the skill set that will be needed to explore, examine, understand rapid ohia death and find a protocol or a cure to stop it, you know, would be skills that would be applicable for that next invasive species that gets introduced. You know, we're fighting uh, coconut rhinoceros beetle. You know, we're very much concerned with mosquitoes and the spread of mosquito-borne diseases. You know, there are a number of research and development kind of opportunities that I think if we would look internal to our community, support uh, investments uh, in the scientists and the local talent uh, that can help uh, solve these challenges. I think it's great business opportunities Mm -hmm. for creating new businesses. But one of the questions that we frequently ask when we have science communicators online is the resistance to information, the resistance to scientific process. I mean, how can we reach the people who are not willing to listen that way? Well, I mean, I do think that it's about uh, engaging the community and having a broader dialogue. So I don't, I think the overwhelming majority of people in the islands would support these science-based kinds of uh, businesses. Uh, I think everybody recognizes that protecting our um, native forests, for example, is very, very important uh, to our environment and to our community. And so I think it's, it is having that conversation and think about how we can create and support businesses and companies that really help us. Um, I don't believe that the resistance it would be as strong uh, if the businesses and the research entities are really aligned with our long-term um, programs and benefits that really support 
uh, our entire community. You know, I do want to also talk a little bit about the uh, idea of doubling food production because I think that's a that's an important area as well as how does technology perhaps play into enabling that. But we want to hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with Governor David Ige. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors Shamanad University, Inter-Island Solar Supply, and Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And I'm Ryan Ozawa. And if you're just joining us, we're talking to Governor David Ige. He's running for re-election for governor of the state of Hawaii. And, of course, uh, right before the break, uh, we were talking about, of course, science and getting, you know, getting people more sort of involved, engaged, you know, having conversations about how science is, is beneficial. And I think in the context of, of things like uh, one of your initiatives, Governor, doubling food production, which is an important thing because I think – as a sustainable resource, I mean, we have to figure out how to lessen our dependence on import and and grow more of our own. So I, I want to ask you, in terms of your initiative, what kinds of things do you think uh, have been done to achieve the doubling, and can technology play a role in enabling that? Absolutely, and and let me just talk uh, briefly. You know, this whole sustainable Hawaii initiative and. Uh, 100% clean renewable energy and doubling food production really on the way to hopefully getting to 100% food production being local is really mm-hmm. about stop stop sending our money out of state mm-hmm. to create jobs someplace else in the energy and food sector and really invest in our communities uh, and create jobs here locally. I mean, I think that's the fundamental change that I'm looking for in our economy. You know, stop sending money out, create jobs here. So doubling local food production has a very um, important tech kind of angle to that. As you know, land in the islands is very expensive. So we are going to make uh, state lands that are suitable, available to diversified agricultural companies and, you know, looking to support the smaller farmers who are in food production uh, rather than, you know, the industrial plantation agricultural model of the past. Uh, And as part of that, you know, we see so many innovative uh, companies uh, increasing um, production off of um, land uh, and really using technology in a way that allows them to minimize inputs, you know, high-tech um, hot houses mm-hmm. uh, are being installed right now on Lanai. Uh, and really, it's focused on a lot of automation, uh, controlling the f- um, the inputs that um, produce the best outcomes, whether it be producing lettuce or fruits or, or other kinds of things, and uh, in a totally controlled environment. So food safety and security um, issues are eliminated because it's a pretty sterile environment, you know, and they anticipate that they would be able to uh, produce tens of thousands of pounds of, um, of food mm-hmm. uh, per week uh, in these environments. And so, you know, we get um, these high-tech uh, new initiatives, I think, uh, can help us meet uh, the challenge of um, growing more of our food. It does uh, help respond to the labor issue. You know, a lot of these uh, high-tech warehouses uh, require very minimal uh, labor, 
Um, it is about um, because it's a sterile kind of environment, you, the whole uh, food handling and the um, food safety and security issues that come with the new federal regulations are really reduced and minimized because of the environment that uh, is used to grow these um, products. So, you know, I'm excited. But that really requires the university uh, re- mm. returning to become a real important mover and shaker in agriculture and, and really being at the cutting edge of new technology in agriculture, helping uh, to develop uh, new varieties, help us identify the kinds of, of varieties and, and fruits and vegetables and other uh, produce that can um, be very successful here in the islands, uh, but more importantly, uh, can be used to help us produce more food. Well, a lot of um, technology and agriculture and other places, you see kind of this conflict between technology that removes labor, but also as a result, re- removes job opportunities. And even when you say, you know, we want to uh, have more people buy local and focus on that, because of the cost of production, because of the cost of land, because of everything else, a lot of times that food is more expensive. Is there something the state can do uh, for an average resident as these great technologies are developing to help make that more of a practical choice? I do think that we are seeing more uh, practical agriculture. You know, I've met with farmers all across the state, on uh, Maui, on Oahu, in Kauai, that are are doing you know aquaponics and uh, different methods of producing um, food products, leafy vegetables, and those kinds of things. And you know, I talk about my anecdotal uh, Costco test about how much more local food we're producing. And you know, now uh, before, like five years ago, when you went to Costco, there was virtually um, nothing in terms of locally produced um, food. Mm -hmm. Uh, And walking through the vegetable counter in Costco now, you have lettuce, you have um, eggplant, you have cucumbers, you have uh, bell peppers, you have long beans, green beans. I mean, you see so much uh, more products locally produced, and it really is helping those farmers really expand their capacity. You know, we've uh, initiated an ag loan program to help uh, farmers look at um, expanding, you know, on a on a micro level, if you just think about whoever's growing today, if we help them double their production, you know, we would be on our way to doubling food production. Uh, so it's really looking at those kinds of things and what kind of assistance does a small farmer need uh, versus the big industrial guy who has a lot of capital and a lot of resources, and really uh, matching the program, support for the university, creating the low program. I really do think that um, risk capital and and um, startups and accelerators looking at uh, technology and agriculture, I think, is a, a great opportunity to help us uh, meet both goals. Now, earlier, uh, we, you know, we we're talking about the, the pipeline of students coming into the marketplace. And then, of course, you have the accelerators and the startups, but they only can accommodate so much of, 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 of those potential workforce. And, and I know you have some ideas on how you might perhaps attract the IBMs or the Microsofts or the Amazons or the Googles. How would you, let's say, come up with a, a program that perhaps would interest any of those companies? I do believe we need to look at uh, the leverage that the state has as a, as a, a big 
purchaser of uh, cloud-based computing and uh, new tech products, right? I mean, Salesforce, the state has become a big Salesforce customer. We need to have those conversations with the CEO of Salesforce and, and talk about, you know, cloud-based computing means that the work can be done anywhere on the planet. You know, we I want to make be able to make the pitch that he ought to set up a development center here in the islands and we will help them and and encourage them uh, because, uh, you know, it can be an incentive for his best workers to come and work on the secret project in Hawaii that really can get their best programmers excited. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I think the best programmers will be graduates from our public school system. And of course, uh, if if Salesforce doesn't do it, we can do it with IBM or Microsoft or Amazon or Google or any of those guys yeah. because you know they um, many of their employees purchase real estate in the islands already we just need to right. convince them to do business and create business in the islands and of course uh, Governor David Ige is three and a half or three and three quarters years into his first uh, term as uh, governor and of course he's running for re-election for the governor of the state of Hawaii I want to thank you for joining us today absolutely aloha thank you so much thank you governor and thank you for listening to Bite Marks Cafe join us next week for our 10th anniversary show we're going to celebrate with a couple of special guests and of course if you miss any part of this edition you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org if you have any comments or suggestions feel free to email us at feedback at bitemarks.org you can also find us on Twitter I'm at bitemarks and you can follow me at Hawaii. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HPR 1 every Wednesday or via the HPR app. And of course, you stay awesome and we will see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. (laughs) 